Our text for today is from our first reading from Acts chapter 16. I'm going to be showing the key verses on the screen, but if you would like to follow along, Acts chapter 16 is found on page 925 of our church Bibles, page 925. The mission of our Father Lutheran Church tells us what God has called us to do together. The mission of our Father Lutheran Church is the compass needle pointing us always due north, showing the direction in which God is leading us. The mission of our Father Lutheran Church is helping ordinary people know and share what? Extraordinary life in Christ. Helping ordinary people know and to share extraordinary life in Christ. What is this extraordinary life in Christ? Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, I have come to bring you life, life to the full. I'm not just here to bring you life, I'm here to bring you the fullness of life. That fullness of life, that extraordinary life as we call it here at Our Father is the life you were made for, created for, designed for. It's the life that we had at the very beginning. Perfect relationship, the love and the glory of God. All of our relationships perfect in every way. This world perfect in every way. It's what we are longing for, this extraordinary life. And it's this life that Jesus came into this world, was born and lived, died and rose, and it's that life we will have again one day when Christ returns in all of his glory and all of his love. And it is that life, that extraordinary life, that is to come, that we can begin to have, at least in part, even now. We began this entire ministry year back in August. We were focusing on some of the prayers of Paul in the book of Ephesians, and we saw this in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. In him, Paul writes, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel, the good news of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. When you heard the word of truth, God's word, when you heard the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, you were sealed, Paul says, sealed, he says, with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of this future day, of this future life, of this inheritance. Guarantee here in the Greek, and again we saw this months ago, is the word arabone. And arabone literally means the down payment or the first installment. If someone owes you a lot of money, if you are going to obtain an inheritance one day, say you're going to receive 
$100 million. The Arabone is that person coming to you and saying, right now, I'm giving you $10 million as a way of guaranteeing that $100 million to come. What Paul is saying is that we, that you, Christian, by the Holy Spirit, through the power of the gospel, have already received the first installment of the life, the extraordinary life that is to come. You have it at least in part right now and that we can have more and more of that life. And our focus for the fall was on knowing this extraordinary life. And our focus now this spring, as we come to a conclusion of our ministry year, is sharing that extraordinary life with one another, but sharing it outwardly with our neighbors. Who is our neighbor? It's whoever happens to be in front of your face at any given moment. And how are we to be loving our neighbors and sharing this extraordinary life. This is, we see some practical guidance here in Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, Paul is in the city of Philippi and we see Paul in three very different encounters with three very different people. He is actually forming, God is forming through Paul, the very first church in the continent of Europe. Philippi. And in these three encounters, we see something of sharing this extraordinary life, loving our neighbor, because Jesus didn't stay in the tomb. He is alive. He is resurrected. And wherever you go, Christian, Jesus go. When I walk over here, Jesus is right over here. And when I walk over here, Jesus is over here. And if I were to walk down the aisle and get in my truck and drive to Walgreens, Jesus is there in Walgreens, because I, as a Christian, am in Walgreens. And we don't simply go for Jesus. It's not like Jesus stands back and says, go for me in mission. No, we go with Jesus. Jesus goes with us. So let's look at Acts chapter 16. Three amazing encounters, learning about sharing extraordinary life, loving our neighbors. We're actually going to begin with a woman named Lydia. We didn't hear her story in our first reading. We're going to go back just a few verses. And we see this in Acts chapter 16, starting with verse 13. Again, Paul in the city of Philippi, and it says, on the Sabbath day, we, this is Luke writing, first person account, went outside the gate to the riverside where we suppose there was a place of prayer. We sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira. That's in Asia Minor. She's from a far ways away. And it says Lydia was a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. Now who is Lydia? Says she's a worshiper of God. That meant she, she knew something of the true God, didn't know Jesus. Says she's a seller of purple goods or purple cloth. 
and the purple cloth with the royal robes. This is what kings and queens and royalty, this is what the powerful and the wealthy would wear. It means that Lydia most likely was very well connected with the highest social structures in the city of Philippi. It probably means she herself was very wealthy in her household. And how is it in this encounter with Lydia that Paul shares this extraordinary life in Christ and loves her? Well, it's through very intentionally putting himself in a situation where he could have a conversation. Very intentionally went to this location where they knew there would be people, and maybe people who were sensitive to the things of God in prayer so that he could have a conversation. In our discipleship huddles, our discipleship groups here at Our Father, we talk about something of developing predictable patterns in our life. Predictable patterns are our daily or weekly or monthly routines. It's the places that we normally go. It's the people that we normally have conversations with. Or it's the places that we could be normally going and the people that we could be having conversations with. So maybe for some of you, it's a particular restaurant or a particular coffee shop that you enjoy going to and you go there frequently. And if you were a little more intentional about it, maybe you could get to know those people who are serving you. Maybe you sit in a particular section to open up the opportunity and the possibility of conversation, remembering that wherever you go, who goes with you? Jesus. Or maybe parents who have, you know, your kids are in sports or in soccer, and it's that particular family that you always seem to find yourself sitting next to on the sidelines as you're watching your children. Maybe that's not an accident. Or maybe for some of you, it's just the routine that you take when you're walking the dog through your neighborhood and you encounter the same people along the trail, along the path. Some of you say, Pastor, I don't go anywhere but the doctors. Okay, great. (laughs) It's the receptionist, it's the nurse, it's the doctor, maybe the people that are there in the lobby. And if we have a little bit of a lens to say, wherever I go, Jesus goes with me, and Jesus is always up to something, maybe those conversations or that person you're getting to know isn't an accident. This is many years ago now. And Pastor Nate shared a story last week of a restaurant that we go to and a question that he asked, just a simple question that opened up conversation. This is the same place, this was many years ago, and this was a server there whose name was Jill. And we would go there, uh, and that was kind of our normal, predictable pattern place that we would go and sit in her section and her table. And over time, over the weeks and the months, you know, learn that we're pastors and we're Christians and we have conversations. She's very friendly. And there was one afternoon, Pastor Micah and I went out, let's say, generally happy hour type of time of day. And we went to this place and we we sat at the bar and we had some appetizers and Jill was there behind the bar and she served us a a beverage and she received a phone call. She's on the phone and you can see her whole face changes while she's on the phone and she gets off the phone and she says, my father lives in Orlando, Florida. He works in construction. He was on a tall ladder. He fell from the ladder. He's being rushed to the hospital. 
I said, Jill, would you mind if we just prayed right now? She said, yes, please. So now we're sitting at the bar with the bartender and we're in prayer for her father and I take the opportunity in that prayer just to make sure I'm talking about a God of grace and the death and the resurrection of Jesus and to bring healing. And I don't know if that would have happened the very first time that I ever met her. But because of the predictable patterns, because we had put ourselves in a situation very intentionally to get to know her and have conversation, God had opened up this opportunity. And is she a Christian today? I have no clue where she is in faith. She left working there not too long after that. But what does it say here? It says the Lord opened up Lydia's heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. It is not our work to open up someone's heart. It is our calling something to go and to speak to have a conversation. And that is one way that we see here that we can share extraordinary life in Christ, loving our neighbor. Now, secondly, there's another encounter here, a very different encounter in a very different person. Lydia, very wealthy at the top of the social structures of the day. Now they encounter a girl who was a slave who in this day and age, possessed by some sort of spirit, would have been barely considered a human being. And let's hear again that encounter, verse 16 of Acts chapter 16. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. It says, Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and it came out that very hour. Now maybe you have never cast out an evil spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. Maybe you have. But maybe you can pray for someone in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. It says here that Paul was greatly annoyed. It's an interesting translation. I, I went and studied the Greek here. It is a very uh, rich Greek word here. It literally means something like thoroughly exhausted. Utterly just worn out. Other translations say that Paul was deeply troubled, greatly annoyed in his spirit, worn out at the reality of the brokenness of this world. And this young girl who was being used horribly by her human slave masters and who was being used horribly by this spirit. And Paul finally stops and he sees And in the name of Jesus Christ, are you praying for those that you see? Praying for family members, yes. Praying for your pastors, thank you. 
Are you praying for the person that you see on television or the story you read about on the internet? Or as you drive by the road and you see someone begging on the street corner and maybe at first you're gonna maybe judge them in some way, let that judgment turn into prayer? My wife, this was a few years ago, I, I know I've shared this with you before, was walking through the mall and she started crying. She had tears in her eyes just in that moment because she was overwhelmed by looking and actually seeing people and seeing how utterly lost people were. The lost children of God surround us every day. Pray. You say, Pastor, if I pray for everyone I see, and all the, I'll be praying all day long. Yes. <laughs> Pray in the name of Jesus Christ. We don't know how God might use those prayers. The prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective and you are made righteous by his grace. So with Lydia, it was conversation with this girl. It was just prayer. It was calling out in the name of Jesus. Thirdly, there's another person, again, very different. Lydia, very wealthy, the slave girl in the margins of society. Now we see a jailer, probably a former Roman soldier, a middle-class civil servant, rough-and-tumble guy. Paul and Silas, because they have taken away this uh, evil spirit from the slave girl and they were using her to fortune-tell and they've taken away a ability to make money off of her, they trump up charges and the magistrates and the city officials go and a mob surrounds and they start beating them. It says they even beat them with rods. And then verse 23, it says, when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. You know, that's a form of torture after they've already been beaten horribly. Can you see missing teeth and broken noses and blackened eyes and bruises and cuts and blood? It says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them maybe the guard as well. We talk about here again and at our Father about having lives worth imitating. That's not a perfect life because no one has a perfect life, but we talk about striving by God's grace to have a life worth imitating and that by no means means having this perfect, wonderful life. Look how wonderful my life is. Don't you want to be a Christian just like me because everything is so wonderful in my life? No, in fact, I think it's the exact opposite. It's letting people see the mess. It's letting people see, see the problems, to be vulnerable, and yet letting people see how we cling so desperately to Jesus. Look at Paul and Silas. They are singing hymns. They are praying, not because they're trying to show off, because they have to. They need to. They are afraid. They are physically in pain. They are hurting, and so they're, they're, they're singing hymns to put the truth of God down in their heart, and they're praying out desperately for Christ to help them. So maybe it's even in our weakness and I've, I've told the story I'm about to tell you, I've told you twice before. I'm going to tell it to you again because it is such a beautiful story. It's about a member of this very congregation named Jim. And Jim, if you're at home watching, we miss you and love you, brother. And Jim's an older man, and he liked to walk in his neighborhood. And he was walking one evening about sunset, and he falls. 
far from home in someone's lawn and he cannot get up. It's a true story. And now it's dark and Jim is laying in someone's yard praying to Jesus for help. And some neighbors come and they find this man lying there in the lawn. And so they help him up and they help him get back home and now here's Jim. Here's an opportunity. And he starts telling them, I was praying to Jesus that you might come and I was praying to Jesus for help and here you are and let me tell you all about Jesus. And some of you say, Pastor, all this mission of our Father and sharing extraordinary life and living, I just can't do that. You understand, I, I just can't do that. Can you fall down? <laughs> It's just about a lens. It's just about seeing things differently and seeing that Jesus is always with you and up to something. And then finally, an earthquake, chains fall off, the door of the prison opens up, they can all go free. It says this in verse 27 and following. That when the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword, was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. In other words, the people over him would have taken his life if he had lost all his prisoners. So he's going to take his own life before they can do that. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. I have no clue how Paul kept all the prisoners there. But how is Paul sharing extraordinary life in this moment? It's been through conversation with Lydia. It's been through prayer and speaking in the name of Jesus. It's been through his own weakness and vulnerability. And it's now through an act of great service and kindness. We live real busy lives, don't we? We go, 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 we go here, we go there, and we live our life. Can you imagine if we could slow down and stop and notice the person who is in front of us? My wife and I at various times have done a prayer walk in our neighborhood. That sounds strange to some of you. It's not like we sit down there and go, oh, and kneeling in front of someone's lawn. We just walk together. We hold hands. It's lovely. It's just part of being a couple. Amelia goes with us, and as we're walking, we notice something, and we pray, God, help the person in this house. Maybe, I mean, number one, it's prayer, but number two, it, it does cause us to slow down and to look and really observe the people around us. There's a ramp going up to the door of this house. There's someone in this house that needs a ramp. Maybe we can serve them in some way. There's someone lawn. Oh, this neighbor's lawn is all overgrown. It's so annoying. Why can't they mow their grass? Good question. Why can't they mow their grass? And maybe there's ways of physically serving, or maybe it's just a smile, or it's asking a question. It's noticing. It's loving. This is the first church in Europe. And it's an extremely wealthy woman at the top of the social structure. It is a sl slave girl who's at the very bottom of the social structure, barely considered a human being. And it's this middle-class civil servant. What were their potlucks like? <laughs> what was their church picnic like? 
Isn't it beautiful? There is a woman and there's a slave and there's a Gentile. Now there's a prayer that Jewish men would have prayed every single day, every morning. It was a ritual prayer. Paul would have grown up praying this prayer. And this is true. This is a real prayer he would have prayed. And the prayer says this, as a Jewish man, I thank you, Lord, that I was not made a Gentile, a slave, or a woman. And what was the very first church in Europe? A Gentile, a slave, and a woman. People that maybe would have been lesser than Paul or in opposition to Paul. And look, the people that we're called to love and serve might be very different from us. And they might have very different politics and they might have very different worldviews and they might have very different opinions about all the different things that are going on in the world today in the Western culture. And what do we do? Do we want to just become like them? No. Do we want to wall ourselves off and have nothing to do with them? No. What are we called to do? We are called to love our neighbors as ourselves. Our battle cry as Christians is love. This is where a lot of you live, right here. This is a map of actual homes of, of you, members of our Father Lutheran Church. Let's take a wider view. This is you. This is the members of our Father Lutheran Church. Can you imagine if all of us are developing this lens, are striving maybe through conversation or through prayer in the powerful name of Jesus or through being open and weak and vulnerable and showing how important Jesus is to us or by acts of love or service. Can you imagine what Jesus could do? as we ordinary people know and share extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. To him alone be all the glory. Amen.